Welcome to episode 30 of the Cincy Postcast. Can you believe it? We made it to 30 episodes. I remember getting excited when we made it to three. What an achievement for us, huh? Anyway, FC Cincinnati, they win 2-1 to one in Salt Lake City. Of course, we're going to be talking about that. Over in part two, we are talking about the playoff race in general. We have your math probably, on what FCC needs to do to get over the line at the end of the season and into the playoffs. And in part three, we touch on a little bit of politics, we touch on some high school football, and uh, we're reading social media posts. So if you are a Columbus Crew player who's insulting your fans online, uh, maybe turn it off then. Otherwise, enjoy episode 30. Joining me to talk about all of that and then probably some more. I'm sure we'll come up with something. We've got returning to the pod, the prodigal son, Grayson Chalmers. Grayson, are are you here uh, of your own volition? Have you been forced to come on the pod? (laughs) I am here of my own own volition. Uh, (laughs) I I do think it's fair to um, account for my whereabouts. I have been... Traveling for, I don't know, quite a bit of time. I'm currently yeah. in between, in between <laughs> jobs. I'm not going to say what I'm doing. I will say that, <laughs> um, that my job change is going to be very good for the people of the state of Ohio and very bad for my wallet. <laughs> um, we thank you for your service. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought I'd give people maybe a little bit of a of a roundup of, of what I've been doing. So, yeah. Um, uh, I, I just I just got back from a road trip to Maine, okay. and it was, it was quite the interesting experience with a lot of sights along the way. Uh, for example, about an hour south of Boston, there's a big sign for Gillette Stadium, and it says "Home of the New England Patriots." And only the New England Patriots and no other teams uh, were sports. Um, okay, so then, so then you know you get to Maine and there's and there's lobsters, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere it's really easy to get. Uh, fun fact: uh, Do you guys do you guys know about this? Uh, lobster used to be kind of a kind of a cheap food, uh, the cheapest thing they could find, and they'd feed it to prisoners. Um, do you know what they use now? And those prisoners still complained. Can you believe that? Do, <laughs> Yeah, do you, do you know what you what they feed them now? The cheapest no. thing they can find? It's a lower.com field. Boom! Hey, <laughs> boom! <laughs> Got him. Roasted. <laughs> um So, you know, Maine has a Maine has legalized recreational marijuana. I did Ooh, um I I did not uh partake and I don't want to say it's 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 really common, but uh confused hippie kids are trying to use it to make necklaces. Uh, I don't know if anybody else tried to smoke a hemp necklace when they were a kid, but uh, I guess it, it's going the other the other way now. So people are saying, um, but but seriously, folks, uh, I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's common there, but I am saying that I wait. We're getting a, min- we're getting a stand up routine to open this podcast. <laughs> this is a set. I love it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying weed is common there, but I am saying that I spent 30 minutes in the drive through at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, not because the line was so long, but because the moose was taking too long to order. Uh, that's that's my time. 
Got him. Uh, right. Got been him. great, folks. Right. Tip your tip your bartender. I think I think at the end of that you're supposed to say, "Let's introduce you to my good friend Paul Schaefer." <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Chief, why why have you never prepared as a uh, a routine to start off one of these pods before? <laughs> I did an amateur stand up comedy in college once and got booed off the stage. Oh, so I thoroughly deserved the reaction. It was not very good. But, oh man! But you know what? I tried, and hey. I learned a valuable lesson that day, and that's that I am not funny, and I should never try that again. <laughs> and here we are, thirty episodes in. I like to think we keep it lighthearted here, so well, I don't know. Maybe we try. It's all about it's all about anti humor now. Oh, it's true. It's like ironic humor, and like yeah. the, that's like the being subtle unfunny on purpose. Anti jokes, yes. Just yeah. being funny. Being funny on Twitter is way more important than being funny on stage, as far as I'm concerned. Because, like, if you're funny on stage, you've got to, you know, stand there and the spotlight is hot and you can only fit so many people into the room. But on Twitter, any joke you tell could possibly reach hundreds of thousands, millions. So only have to do 160, 280 characters at a time. I'm, I'm <laughs> firmly of the belief that the greatest comedian of all time was Mitch Hedberg, just because yes. he was doing Twitter. Before Twitter mm-hmm. even knew what it was doing, so well, I I always loved that uh, Stephen Wright, who was you know Mitch Hedberg before Mitch Hedberg, Stephen Wright, just classic one-liners, all all that good stuff. He gets on Twitter uh, and just decided to write a novel via tweet. <laughs> I just I fucking loved that he he was like the guy designed for this format, and he just it went the other way with it. And you always, uh, you always <laughs> got to zig when they expect you to zag. That's rule number one in comedy, I think. Absolutely. The, the other fun thing about Twitter is um, if you make fun of somebody, like, for example, somebody, let's say, in, like, MLS media, if you just do that, like, one time, there's always the chance that every time that person tweets, uh, you get tagged in their, in their replies. <laughs> just, so, just, so, just so you know, just so, you know, the people just want to make sure that you know you saw what, uh, let's say, uh, Shmandrew... Uh, Shmeeby, uh tweeted. <laughs> I did. I did appreciate the uh, yeah the uh, the individual who picked a fight with uh, uh, MLS writer, and then um, after a couple of back and forths, just decided to tag the post as like <laughs> I set him up for you guys. Have at him. Like no, I so don't. <laughs> if you view a uh, a Twitter argument much like a professional wrestling match. Everybody knows occasionally you got to get the yes. hot tag in there. You got to get your tag team partner in. It's like, okay, we've taken this as far as we can go. We tag, <laughs> we get a quick pop from the crowd, and all of a sudden we're hitting our finisher. So I'm completely all right with that. I I like getting into a Twitter fight about two thirds of the way through, just because yes. it injects some fresh spice into things. <laughs> and what I love best is when you get dragged into a Twitter fight about like you know a day after it's already been going on. And you get what I consider to be one of the greatest responses you can possibly get from someone that's got a blue check mark, and that's please leave me out of this fight. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is awesome. I I try to be a dutiful, you know, remove people from conversations. If I'm if I'm not trying to attack the uh, you know the original poster, I'm going after you know sub commenter two. Like I need them to see it, not everybody else. Uh, no, I love that, and I will say FCC Twitter as well. 
just incredible at finding a, uh, I don't know, the bleeding swimmer, you know, at, at the shoreline and just everybody catching a scent of it and going after it. I think, I think FCC Twitter picks its spots really well, uh, when, when picking somebody to pick on. Well, yeah, it, and what, I didn't what, want to say, what, I didn't want to make it, make people think like I'm against, you know, the, the tagging the post and the replies. And in fact, you know, we haven't had a guest in a while. So, <laughs> hey guys, anytime somebody in MLS media just tweets about the team, tweets something that annoys you, just tag us. Just tag the post, tag us, just bring us in. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. just, just everybody. Just I want everybody to just get in the replies of all these uh, uh, blue checkmark journalists. Just say, you know, just don't even have to say anything. Just at the post Cincy. <laughs> just do it. Or just, you know, tag, tag me online and be just go get them. And that's like, I just need, see, I, I have a job, like a nine to five, unlike Grayson, I'm not between jobs. I'm currently at a job and I can't afford to be online all the time. So I really do rely on the good people of the internet to alert me to things, to bad takes, to people that just, you know, need to be told what time it is. And so if you see somebody out there, please, 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 please snitch tag, please get me involved in the fight. If you feel like you're on the losing side of an argument with a blue check mark, I want you to tag me in. I am giving you permission to tag me in. I want to hold the tag team titles in every single argument on the internet. I just don't have the time to find all those arguments out on my own. And I weep for the number of takes I am unable to drop on a daily basis just because there's so much internet to read and I can't possibly be all places at the same time. So please get me involved in the fight. I am there to continue the fight Long past any rational person even caring about what was being argued in the first place. Get me involved. Let's do this. I think uh, I think it was a couple of days ago I, I re- responded to a random MLS tweet about Etienne being offside. So yes, I mean we're I'm not about to let anything go. I mean on Twitter this re- one. Twitter really should have a feature that like to get yourself involved in a fight like. Just to figure out, like, you go online, you can have, like, you know, like the, they've got the home thing that nobody uses, unless you're yeah. a psychopath, and they've got latest. They should have a third drop down that just fight, and then that floods your timeline with whatever is the most active and long-going, like, spat or conversation yes. between two people, and just, let's go. Like, I would love to be in a situation eventually where I can just hop into a fight and no one's even tagged me. Like, I'm just going to interject myself <laughs> in a debate about Jim Curtin being coach for the year. I'm not on Philly Union Twitter. I would love to get involved in that debate. I would love to just sort of find myself in the mentions for someone talking about the World Cup in Qatar or, like, the Firefest housing that's happening over there, allegedly. <laughs> like, I want to hop into those mentions. So, please, if we can get that on Twitter, if we can get easier access to fighting, trolling, I, I think that that's... You want to get engagement up? You want Elon to really buy this fucking app? Let's go. Let's have a fight button on Twitter. I uh, I gotta say one of the one of the greatest YouTube videos of all time. It, it does not have enough views. It has over a million views. It does not have enough views. It's called The Dumbest Boy Alive. You should absolutely go check this out. It is uh, John Boys from uh, SB Nation now Secret Base or uh, yeah whatever different things. He uh, he recaps a weekend long argument on a message board of two people arguing how many days are in a week. Oh. 
bodybuilding.com i've read the entire thread it's so good they should they should they should print it all out and put it in the smithsonian it's one of the it is the single greatest contribution of the internet to modern society absolutely you could have had al gore pull the plug on the entire project it was never getting any better than that thread (laughs) the dumbest boy alive go find that on youtube it's it's well worth your time Oh, speaking of the dumbest boy alive, I still probably can't name an RSL player. I don't know about you guys. I didn't. Justin Miram is still on there. Bobby Wood was injured, I guess. I didn't come out of that game remembering any RSL player's name. Was I watching the game? Do you guys remember anybody on RSL's team? I don't. I don't remember, I don't remember, any, I don't remember anybody on RSL's team, but I did note with some amusement that somehow Jeff Cameron was denied the opportunity to play at America first field. And <laughs> I, oh, we'll touch on that in the next part. Like, Don't yeah, you keep, worry. Keep, keep that at home. Yeah. Let's keep this a political, please. <laughs> no, I, please. I can't name anyone that plays for RSL. I don't think, I, I don't think honestly, if you challenge me to name five people in the history of RSL as a franchise, I could get, I think Kyle Beckerman was there for a while. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. There we go. That's it. You got that one. I got one. <laughs> Nick Ramundo. Does it not ring a bell? That was he he has like the most caps in MLS history for RSL there. John Stockton, is he? <laughs> Carl Malone. John Stockton might have been an MLS. Who's to really say? Nobody's paying attention that well. I'll bet if, I'll bet if John Stockton pulled a kid on, it would have taken at least two to three days before anyone realized he was playing soccer at RSL. Yeah. No. <laughs> you know you know how Baron Trump was in the DC United Academy? Mm-hmm. I can't there's, wait to see where this goes. There's got to be a Romney in the RSL Academy somewhere, right? <laughs> there's like, there's like literally thousands of them floating yes. around. Yes. <laughs> Do you think anyone in the RSL Academy is a member of the FLDS Church? Because I've seen a shitload of documentaries on that, and they have a ton of kids. You got to figure one of them is good at soccer, right? Yeah. RSL though is like have a weirdly good academy. So they might. You might have to actually show something to get into RSL's academy. But, um, well, I mean, hell, if you spit enough kids out in your religious cult, eventually one of them's going to be good at dribbling and passing. That just, you know, <laughs> that just stands to reason, I think. I, you'd say it's a numbers game, but China and India, not great in international soccer. You'd assume there would be 23 players that could come out of that. But, um, oh, gosh. FC Cincinnati. They uh they they win. What is that? Two to one against RSL. I genuinely had to go look up that scoreline again. I wasn't sure. Uh, no, two to one. It was a it was a fun game. Uh, it went back and forth. I think my biggest takeaway on this game though is that this game felt like how I imagine a playoff game is going to play out this year, which is just like grind it out for results, rely on Celentano, you need the defense to do well, and you just got to hope and pray your offense gets an opportunity to create a moment of magic. But I don't see us dominating a team in the playoffs, and I think how this game went is how a playoff game against Orlando or Miami or Red Bull or or whomever uh, is is ultimately going to play out. I I don't know if you guys had a different impression. Well, I do think that we – I think it's a bit better. And I, I'm, obviously, it wasn't bad. We won two to one. Right. And, um, you know, whatever. But um, 
I think I think our defense is just like that much better with with Jeff Cameron in over over Ian Murphy. Not to like discount, you know, what Ian Murphy's done this year, which has been be a totally adequate center back who you can plug and play. Help yeah. keep the, help keep the MLS clean sheet in this game. Hard to do much yeah. better than that. Mm-hmm. Which which you know we've never we have not really had before this year it was any like adequate center backs. But right. but um, I do think I think Jeff Jeff has been so much better with with Miazga in the game. Yep. And so he if assuming he's in with a playoff game and it looks like he's going to be eligible to play in a way playoff game no matter where it's held. Uh, Come on, given Canada. some new announcements about what <laughs> what Canada may be potentially doing with the travel rules. I mean, you know, Biden did say the pandemic's over. Yeah. So come on, get with the game. Man's get with the game, Canada. Let's go. Knock, knock, Canada. We're world. coming. <laughs> Canada loves following other world leaders. So, uh, you know. I mean, we do have to point out they did ask have to ask for permission from the Queen to be independent. So, not exactly a lot of free thinkers up there. That right. and I'm still pretty sure the uh, the monarch is their head of state. I don't think yes. they actually officially severed that tie. Right. <laughs> They're still part of the Commonwealth. There. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I think I think we we fare even. I agree. This is like you could definitely see us winning a playoff game with this with this playbook, right? Yeah. If if this roster is going to win a playoff game, or they're going to make any noise in the playoffs, I mean, this is exactly what this team is going to do and what this team this year is built to do. They brought in Wobodo, they brought in Miazga, and the plan is we're going to play good defense in front of Celentano. We're going to get Celentano to make two or three really athletic saves, in this case a super athletic save of a PK, and then we are going to rely on individual brilliance from our top three uh, attacking pieces. And in this case, it was two goals from Brenner. And that's the path to victory for this team against better opposition or equal opposition to them. It's they have to rely on we're going to play tough, we're going to play good defense, we may get out-possessed, but at the end of the day, our back line is good enough to stop you, and our top three, you're not going to be able to hold them scoreless for an entire game, and that's what they got here. That's the playbook for at least 2022. I mean, going forward, maybe there's opportunities to add more pieces that can do better in terms of possession or change the way we play, but this year's version, the 2022 version of FC Cincinnati, if we're going to do anything in the playoffs, it's going to be Brenner and Vasquez scoring. It's going to be Celentano, Miazga, and Wobodo holding the defense down. I I love it. I mean, to me, what was the takeaway from this game, and I think it's, it's incredibly significant, is every game being played from this point forward is the most important game FC Cincinnati has played in its MLS history. Every single one from this point forward. It yeah. has been since Labor Day that every game is the most important game FC Cincinnati has ever played. And they went into this game on the road knowing that they needed three points to keep controlling their own destiny, and they won. They won in a pretty standard fashion. It wasn't a back-and-forth game. It wasn't exciting. They ground the result out. And to me, that's a sign of excellent, excellent coaching and excellent preparation from Noonan and the coaching staff that the pressure is ratcheting up the lights are getting brighter, and the team is maintaining its composure. And for a team that has absolutely no history of winning or success or being in this position before, it's an incredibly mature result for a team that has no business looking as mature as they do in situations as pressure-packed as these are. 
Yeah, no, and I don't want to like. I don't think we should underestimate like how hard the task was before them. I mean, I know I know RSL has been struggling, but the fact is that what it had been what seventeen games since an Eastern Conference team had won in Salt Lake City. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, you have you have a tough you have a tough travel day that they they tried to manage by I guess spending as little time as possible in Salt Lake, which I'm trying. I like. I don't know. I, I, I just like don't know how that works. Where it's like, well, we can't acclimate to the altitude, so we're just not even going to worry about it. Force guess, it, right. yeah. <laughs> but you know, they they clearly, you know, it was good. It, it, it was it was always going to be a gritty win if yeah. they were going to win. It was yeah. always yeah. going to be that way, and they did it. So right. and it and it wasn't even it wasn't even shocking. Like that was the right. other thing too is that people forget this team hadn't won a true road game since what Orlando back at the start of the summer. I mean, yes, I think I looked that up. I sometimes Toronto, do research. Toronto, 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 yeah, Toronto. But it had been a minute since this team had won on the road, and this didn't seem like a shocking result. They went there and they took care of business um, on the road, going west. Um, against a team that's also fighting for a playoff chance, it's. I, I just I feel like the, the it was a routine win. It felt like a routine win, but I don't want to over. I don't want to undersell the importance of what they did. Going out west and beating a good team in this league, it's fucking tough. Yeah. It's tough. And this was a, a Salt Lake City team who is in a similar position to FC Cincinnati. Their their playoff spot isn't guaranteed. They're in a good spot, but they they need a couple of results to go their way as well as to to win out. So they were they were in playoff mode as much as Cincinnati was. It was at altitude. Um, you know, it was it was a tough game, and the fact that FC Cincinnati won should give you that much more hope and belief. Uh, should this team make the playoffs, that they can they can get results in the playoffs. This was a this was as hard, if not harder, than a game that they may have to play at Orlando or in New York or something like that with with some of the other elements going on into this. So uh, this was uh, just a, a hell of a result, and this is uh, on top of the fact that Vasquez has essentially gone cold since his national team snub. Um, he did get an assist, I'll say, like immediately following that. Probably should have assisted Brenner uh, early in this game as well. M- missed an opportunity there. But th- this team is clicking to the point where Brenner and Vasquez can, can have an off night. Both can't. But one of them can have yeah. an off night or two, they, they, they and this team is fine. Yes. <laughs> is it an off night or like, like so? When Brenner wasn't scoring, I was coming on here and saying, okay, well, you can see though that Brenner's getting into good positions. He's yeah. doing like other things, just not in, not putting the ball in the net. So on uh, Brenner's first goal, Vasquez was drawing defenders. Yeah, right. Like Brenner was wide open in the box, at least in part. And he was wide open for God so so long, while Powell just <laughs> held the ball, and I'm just screaming at the TV. I'm just like, "What are you?" But so, but you know, Vasquez is drawing defenders, right? So, right. He's doing. He's still doing stuff to contribute to the attack. 
Yeah, and for all we know, uh, when they we line up to play Seattle, Seattle will be keying on Brenner and Vasquez right. will have opportunities. And that's why that's why it is so important that your team can't be too reliant on one way to play. Hint, Greg with three G's. Hint, <laughs> avid listener of the postcast, Greg. Um, you have to have other things you can do when teams take away what you want to do. Also, yep. hint, Zach Taylor, hint, <laughs> Joe Burrow. They they watch the film, too. They know what Van, Brandon Vasquez is capable of. And yep. with Brenner in form, this is what you need out of Brenner. This, is, this in a nutshell, is the entire reason that you – you keep Brenner this offseason. If this team chooses to keep Brenner, it will be precisely because, A, they don't have another young DP to sign, and that would be problematic for roster construction purposes, but, B, because you need that – Like what the difference between a okay MLS offense and a great MLS offense, there's really no good. The, the salary cap league eliminates the possibility of just good. But the difference between an okay offense and a great offense is when they take away what you really want to do, do you have a plan B? And on any given night, Brenner or Vasquez can be a plan B and score to break through a result and get three points as opposed to, like, if all they had was Vasquez on this night, you know, maybe it's a draw or maybe they lose 1-0. But the ability to do different things and have different people be the guy for a night is what's going to drive this team forward going forward. And it's the reason you think about keeping Brenner in the offseason, I think. So I, I, want, I want to point out, though, that this, this podcast has spent a good deal of time early, early in the season slandering <laughs> Brenner's good name. I don't remember okay. any of this. Yeah, it's fake. And, and, you know, Brenner's only really been a regular starter since, since June 29th against okay. NYCFC. Yeah. And so, but still... He's got 14 goals. Right. Only five f- of them have come in the last two weeks, though. And five. eight of them total have come in the span of three yeah. games. And that's... I don't, that, I, 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 he's, only, he's only been a starter for like 11, 12, 13 games, something like that. Um, only four designated players in the entire league have more goals than Brenner this season. Only three have more non-penalty goals. And all of them have played at least 500 more minutes uh, than than Brenner has. And Brenner has scored undeniably important goals because in games this season when Brenner scored, FC Cincinnati is undefeated. Yeah, because usually he's scoring like three at a time and it's really hard <laughs> to beat a team that scores three goals in MLS. Well, you know, I, think he scored in, I think he scored in like eight games and they've, one four and tied four. <laughs> no, that that is a good point, and it is something that I, I, I was thinking about the other day too, which is he had weird visa issues. He picked up an injury, then he was sort of like in the doghouse, and I can certainly imagine, based on you know other other conversations that that we've had, that the coaching staff had made an initial. Uh, assumption dare i say of brenner and we're ready to just be like all right the first offer over seven million dollars he's out of here and credit 
credit to the coaching staff. They did not give up on him. They did not take, you know, the loan offers that were out there or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you don't sell Vasquez for half a million dollars, but maybe you would have, you would have looked at Brenner to Chivas for half a million dollars. I, mean, I don't know. Try to find thing, a Mexican grandma somewhere in there, but. <laughs> the, the other thing with Brenner too, and I think it applies to a few people on this team and the fact that Brenner is playing regularly and seems to be playing effective regularly versus some other people might lead you to draw some conclusions but there were some pretty decently sourced rumblings earlier in the year that Brenner had a bit of an attitude problem and yeah and exactly it's not a secret why Ray Gaddis is on this team Ray Gaddis was brought into this team to change the culture in the locker room that the culture in the locker room again pretty well sourced rumors you don't have to dig too far to find that the culture in the locker room has been was dog shit under Yapstam, Gerard Nijkamp, Tyrone Marshall. And a a lot of that is losing. A lot of that is just that when you are in a locker room that loses all the goddamn time, it's hard to maintain any sort of sense of camaraderie or sense of purpose. But, you know, you do have to wonder, too, to a certain extent, if when you say Brenner was in the doghouse, that maybe it just took Brenner a little longer to get with the program. And a lot of people bought into Noonan immediately. Like, right out of the chute, we this is our guy. But oh, it's exactly. only human nature that some people take a little bit longer to warm up, see what's going on. And credit to Brenner, whatever his issues were, he's worked through them. He's yep. played effectively. He's played really well. He scored a lot of important goals. Fair point to that. I wish he spread them out a little more over more games. <laughs> um, but y- y- you can see that the, at this point, you don't even have to squint any longer to see what this attack could look like next year and for the remainder of this year, that there is three incredibly high talent, incredibly good offensive pieces that they have now locked into long-term deals. And you, it, it, uh, I can't, not, I can't fuck him. I hate that guy. Why do I keep bringing him up? Um, <laughs> Albright this off season, his shopping list got a lot, is a lot shorter. If Brenner is going to be on this team, and be a part of this team going forward. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but if the attack is settled down and locked down, it's really only the midfield that in the couple of spots on the back line that he needs to address, which is a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so two two things on that. First is is I think I I take the you know Brenner or anybody else has an attitude. I take that with a grain of salt, just like I take you know. Uh, Stuff out of stuff out of Brenner's camp that oh there's offers out there for him and FC Cincinnati is just not biting or whatever. I mean, right coming there's into the season, a, there's always an agenda when something like this. Gets yeah, out. it's it, everybody's got an agenda, right? And you're coming off of a a terrible season. You have new management in the team. Of course, they're going to say like we should look for opportunities to. And excuses to offload some of the higher paid players in this team because clearly they weren't getting it done or whatever. You know, just right. like an unhappy player who doesn't want to spend another season at the bottom of MLS is going to say, well, you know, they could recoup their money and there still is interest for 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 me in Europe. And it's like, you know, I don't know. Like, what was there ever any like real interest of any any real money in Europe? I would be a little shocked after last year but but that's, that's all right. but i guess the, the 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 net of that is just i always take all of this stuff with a grain of salt particularly when the team is losing and like 
everything is uniformly terrible. Right. Like it has been, right? What, what, I, will say, wanted... what I will say, though, is that there were two players that were pretty prominently put out there as having attitude problems. One is Brenner, and the other one hasn't seen the field for this club much more than 20 minutes over the last month and a half, two months, three months. Oh, so. I was going to say that the, I was going to say there were also uh, source. There's also put out early in the season that Barrial was a um, uh, bad attitude player. And that's another guy who I think just by looking at what he's the positions he's been put in on the season throughout the year, if he ever, you know, was reluctant to buy into the project or had an attitude or whatever. I mean, this guy, this guy was brought in as like a luxury Argentinian winger and he is putting not perfect, but he is putting in defensive work every week. Right. And he still is getting his goals, but, but, but what at one point I wanted to wanted to touch on because I did I did run a little bit of numbers earlier today while I was unemployed, um, <laughs> and so you want to talk about like what the attack can look look like next year or what this attack is looking like in the playoffs. So Brenner has essentially been a regular starter since June 29th against NYCFC, and mm-hmm. other than like a random game in Atlanta when Brenner was subbed out early and his back was hurting him. Um, that was the first time that we saw Brenner, Vasquez, and Acosta starting together. Yeah. Since then, they have started 11 games together. Across those games, the team has scored 29 goals. 29 goals in 11 games. That's 2.6 a game, right? That'll get, that'll get it done. Uh, Philly has the most goals in the league this year. They average 2.12 goals a game. Wow. So that means that means this year, when healthy Brenner, Vasquez, and Acosta have started together, this team is averaging a half goal more per game Jesus. than the absolute best offense in MLS, right? And that is the attack that we are going into the playoffs with. Obviously, Whew. barring injury, knock on wood, but that is the state of the team going into the playoffs. So you look, you can look at like the whole like numbers, right? Obviously, yeah. Early in the season, there were some struggles. They've been guys in and out of the team. But what we're going into the playoffs with is an attack, is a starting attacking trio that is absolutely on fire. We're going in with Obino Wobodo, and we are going in with Matt Miazga in the center in in the center defense. And Roman Celentano, no longer a rookie. I always yeah, I always no like that. No rookies right now. <laughs> Right. No. <laughs> I I think you, you bring up a good point in particular with Barial and, and Chief. You were you were talking about this with you know what's what's your plan B? Barial is an interesting one because he's <clears throat> he's more or less the team's plan C. Not that they build anything around him to get him goals, but he is that sort of like X factor that can come in and salvage games and become that threat off off from the wing essentially uh, that teams just weren't scheming for and i absolutely love that they have a weapon like that that he's he's filled that moderator role so well that you know he's still coming back from rehab but in in the minutes we've seen since he's come back i want barrial in there way more than i want moderita and he's he's he provides something else on this team that is very much needed. And, yeah, and he's and, and he's in great yeah. form right now too. And that's the other thing is that you just mm-hmm. another takeaway from this RSL game. If you want to keep dropping takeaways, is that 
this team has so many good players who are in good form right now, where mm-hmm. just brimming with confidence. And I would include, in addition to uh, Brenner, uh, Lucho Acosta playing mm-hmm. yep. phenomenally, uh, Barial playing phenomenally, um, Cameron who didn't play playing phenomenally, mm-hmm. Celentano playing phenomenally. Um, another name Haglin I want to not playing his contract. Right, Haglin out yes. playing his contract, and another guy we talked about last week, uh, Yuya Kubo, playing phenomenally right now. Um, yeah, really. If you want to talk about the only guy who's really not in great form right now, it's Vasquez, and history this year suggests he's going to get this turned around pretty quickly. And the watching the game back, like I said earlier, it does seem to suggest that he's occupying an inordinate amount of attention in opposing managers' tactical minds that's opening up opportunities for a lot of other guys. So why do I feel confident about this team going forward to the playoffs and in the playoffs? I It was on display in this game, and that's it just they have good players who are playing well right now, and they're playing within the system they're being asked to play. And they're being asked to play a system that plays for their strengths. And it sounds so simple, but good God, is that a change of pace from the last couple of years around here? Just it, it, it seems so simple. Put your best players in their best position to allow them to be successful. And Shocking. wouldn't you know, <laughs> the results are following. Also, it's not just that, right? Because Barriel is not a natural like nobody came into this year and was like, all right, Barriel is is gonna be our, our starting left wing back, right? That some of that ha- it has to go down to coaching. Because remember yeah. how remember how much of a failure the Joe Jow to, to right back oh. experiment was. Yes. He, how many how many goals did Joe Jow, an incredibly fast player who was you know played on on right wing back like for his speed for his ability to get up and they're like oh this is a real attacking threat like how many goals and assists did he have last year? Maybe one assist. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But like I right. would say I would say approaching approaching gave out zero. A lot of, gave out a lot of goal kicks. Yeah, and yes, <laughs> and so, so I'm and I'm not saying like like, and obviously I'm, I'm not saying Jao's like a bad player or Barial isn't a better player than Jao. I don't I don't really know, but what it does seem like is that there's actual coaching going on this year. So yeah. if a if a player is talented, right, the coaches are not just saying, "Well, we'll just throw you on the field and your talent will win out." The coaches are right. saying, how can we get this person on the field? What do we need to get them right. to do? Right. It's it's coaching. It's it's coaching, it's coaching, it's coaching. It's coaching that has players in a position to be successful. It's coaching that allows these players to do different things they weren't asked to do at the start of the year. It's coaching that sends them on the road with a team again, and I can't stress this enough, has no winning culture to fall yeah. back on. There is no FC Cincinnati always plays big on the road or plays big in big games because – we haven't, and we've never had these games to play. Coaching makes up for that lack of experience. Although I will point out that they have assembled a cast of characters now who have been on big teams elsewhere, who have played in big matches elsewhere, which I think probably helps to calm things down. This isn't like the analogy isn't quite the same as it is in other sports like the NFL or the NBA where, oh, well, you know, this team has never won before. But, I mean, there is something right. to it that, you know, it's the first time doing that. It's coaching. It's coaching, it's coaching, it's coaching. You can't overstate the importance of coaching enough, even in-game. Like, you look at this match from just the ebb and flow thing. They are they have a PK that's waved off. They have a PK that's given 
to the opposition that Celentano manages to save. They, I think, had another PK where it went to video, was checked by video, and the call on the field of no PK was upheld, which... Fuck! I've, now I've now I've officially seen everything with VAR this year. Like <laughs> has, I don't know what happened, VAR means any longer. Has that happened in a game we've played in this year? That the ref has gone to the monitor and no not call. no no and not overturned the call. Every monitor has reversed the call. Whatever the call was, the monitor right. check reversed. Because it. We, we've learned this in other situations, and that's that if they believe that everything was fine. They don't buzz in the first place. If they only right. buzz when they, they, we think you fucked up. So we seem to have hit the fucking trifecta of <laughs> no VAR, VAR overturned to fuck us and VAR stick with the same call to fuck us at the same time. Right. Like we're, right. we're taking it more ways than a Brazzers video. And I just, I don't understand it at this point. Um, I but have, it's... I have kind of changed my opinion on the, on the, on the pro referees. Like, I do think that they are Ooh. taking, I do think that they are, that they're taking 50-50 or any close decision that they can justify against us. But I don't think it's like so overt because I do think they're bad all the time everywhere. <laughs> and so I actually watched like a bunch of MLS this past weekend. Oh, you poor uh, thing. <laughs> because of the, because of the you, playoff You race. go on vacation to Maine and you come back as a stand-up comic who the only thing... The only like consistency to the to the Grayson Chalmers persona is that he doesn't watch MLS ever, and now you've thrown that out the window. It's we, I, we, we somehow got that? a we got a cooligan that came back and joined the podcast. Right, is what happened. Yeah, so <laughs> so like, well, I'm not working on the weekend anymore. So right, yeah, you came, can you came it, back. You, you came back as Ezra Dax. I don't like this. So so like I watch like an example is I watched that like New York Red Bulls New York City FC game. And New York Red Bulls had a goal that was called back correctly because two guys were, like, way offside. And looking at the replay, it's like, how does this ref work? How does this sideline ref work a game again? Like, (laughs) there's no excuse for him to have kept his flag down. It was a set piece. It was a set piece. (laughs) Guys were – there's no way – that he wasn't directly in line to see two players offside. One, like, a little close. The other guy by, like, two yards. <laughs> like, how... I will say, if there was a negative to come out of this game, uh, this game did show how this team is susceptible in the playoffs and going forward. And that is just a lack of of focus, a lack of concentration, these really dumb, dare I say, yop stom uh, coaching moments where uh, the team kind of forgot that you can't be offside on a throw-in, and Matt Miazga's just incredibly slow roll of a pass back to Celentano. I mean, no team is perfect. Everybody's going to make mistakes, but that is, it's still rough to see the defense making really bad flubs like that, and you know, Seattle's in a bad spot, but you do that against Seattle's 15-year-olds, which have been known to to pounce on a uh, a bad team, and you, you may not be able to recover from something like that. So that that was alarming to see those still. I think my alarming takeaway, if we if we're going to do alarming takeaways from the game now, if that's a section of the podcast we've reached Please. at this point, it, it's <laughs> we that do segments now, segments now, or a segment <laughs> podcast now. 
Um, it's that they still don't have a great sense of how to cleanly kill a game off mm-hmm. in terms of the little things that you have to do to, you know, buy yourself a free kick, which I get they tried that against Miami and all of a sudden it was legal to truck a dude with the soccer ball. So maybe they're a little <laughs> gun shy on that. But this was another game where at the end it just felt like they were in a shooting range. And I think they had at least two or three corners RSL did at the end of the match. They threatened, they possessed the ball just about the entirety of stoppage time. And I'm still mad that Celentano didn't attempt to quick oh, and try and score the goal as, what's the dude's name? McMath, McMath. or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like How the, do you the, not it's punt the, the, wor- it? the worst fast food franchise ever if you're a senior in high school. Um, <laughs> how he didn't at least try to score a goal right there and get his name on the score sheet. I, I don't respect a goalkeeper. I love Roman Celentano. But I don't respect a goalkeeper who doesn't take the chance to score there. Like, you have got to call your own number. You've got to try. What's the worst that happens? Surely we had a guy near half line as well. Like, whip it out, throw it to old uh, Santos and let him take the midfield shot. There's something. The, I appreciate the laying down, trying to, to see the game off that way. But, man, the keeper just got in the way of a header. You, you should have gone for it. Yeah, so I think that that was like one gener- generation Adidas keeper to another, just kind of <laughs> doing like a professional professional right. courtesy, like Goal when people with like when people with like Harvard t shirts pass each other on the street, they just give a little you know nod of their cap and a swing of the monocle, right? Um, <laughs> and an offer for a seven figure job somewhere doing nothing. Yeah. yeah, for their nephew. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, do you want to do you want do you want to run this uh, new spinoff of Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yeah, that sounds okay. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. Sign me up. Oh, do we have uh, do we have anything else on this game? Part two. We're going to talk about the uh, the the playoff race as it stands now, and then uh, following that, part three, we're going to do a little little internet roundup. So, uh, part two. Playoff race. Here we go. Part two. Playoff race. It's wild. If you haven't Playoff. made your own, if you haven't made your own, like at home, do-it-yourself Excel spreadsheet where you're trying to work formulas out. Are, are you really a fan at this point? Uh, shout out to uh, Joseph Mamey has made the most uh, complete tool that that i've been using trying to game out different scenarios and i uh i said this on knifey lion radio i'll say it again here our magic number currently sits at was it five points i think it's five no five points five points gets us into the playoffs guaranteed a win and two draws no because of the tiebreakers we need two wins oh my god i gotta think about this we need six points as of right now, to guarantee our spot into the playoffs. What is insane, though, is that with three games left, two weekends of MLS soccer, uh, anything from third place to tenth place is possible for this team. It doesn't feel possible. That seems absolutely insane. But these are the things that can happen. Um, this is the dream of MLS. This, this is, is it. the dream of Lamar Hunt, <laughs> of all the original founding fathers of MLS back in the era of Jinkos, of boy bands, and oh. the East Coast West Coast rap rivalries. When they founded this league, what they were trying to do was emulate the National Football League, and everything was set up for parity. 
and the idea of coming down to decision day with everything on the line. This is this Don Garber is fully erect looking at the table right now in the Eastern Conference. This is this is his dream. This is his he is looking at this and thinking, I have get, are you not entertained, America? Are you not entertained? Take that pro rel. <laughs> I will say, uh, I do love it. I think it's very fun as an entertainment product. However, it also gives me the impression that the entire season up to this point was kind of pointless. <laughs> that, like, if everything is still on the table, just play five game seasons all the time. Like, we can have like 15 seasonal champions every year if we're just playing little mini round robins all the time. I don't know, but that's, I, I'm excited to be in the thick of this race. And I don't, I don't know. Grayson, if you if you had to predict something right now, where do you where do you see this team finishing? Maybe maybe a place you want to you want to give us a place uh, prediction here. This is insane. Yeah, it um, is so hard to predict. I yeah, think, so I'll say, I'll say here's what my prediction is that FC Cincinnati plays in the um, fourth and fifth game, so the, the Ooh, four seed okay. versus the five seed game in the. Um, in the first round of the uh, the first round of the playoffs, but where is um, that game being played at? <laughs> I, that, that I don't know. That I don't know. Uh, either either uh, I would I, I bet either either, either Cincinnati, or Cincinnati or not Cincinnati. Yeah, well, you, you could you could say Red Bull Arena, and that opens up the number of teams by a couple. <laughs> um, so you you talked about you talked about the magic number, and I, I another thing I observed this weekend watching uh, other. MLS games <laughs> oh. was um, during the Columbus Crew game. Yeah, they kept saying repeatedly. They said it multiple times that Caleb Porter was talking to the media and he said that they ran the numbers and that forty-seven points gets them in the playoffs. And Absolutely I'm like, not. <laughs> no, sir. Right. No, sir. No. So now, now the outcome I am most rooting for above all others <laughs> is, 47 is that Columbus points. Crew get to 47 points and miss and the playoffs. miss, yes. And that you is see, You see, so the thing possible. that most people don't understand is when FC Cincinnati and another team are fighting for the same playoff spot, they've got a 50-50 chance of who's going to get that same playoff spot. But you add Columbus to the mix – and it turns Cincinnati into a 66% chance because Caleb Porter knows he's not going to beat Cincinnati three times in a year, and he's not even going to try. So if they're fighting with us, their chances of success drastic go down. It's numbers spelled disaster for Caleb Porter in this thing. I just love that he had his big mouth like committed to the 47. I'm, I, was, I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, look at it. I pulled up the standings, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, not, Miami's not got really. a pretty Miami's got a pretty good looking run out. Orlando is going to end up above forty seven, I think. Miami is I, vexing because like everyone was really excited when they beat Columbus, and I'm sitting here in the back thinking like nope. they're <laughs> they're a problem because I think they yeah. they just had DC. They've got Toronto again this weekend, and oh. then all of a sudden I I think that they're they gonna play be Orlando, right. which will be interesting. Right, the the right before decision day, which could very well be decision day for one of those teams if if they were sliding going into that. Um, 
Yeah, the the forty seven points too. I just got to go back to this. Uh, our, our our dear friend Joseph Mamey, three def on Twitter, uh, did post a scenario where I think it's five teams tie on forty nine points, and only two of them make the playoffs. So like, there are some insane scenarios, and the concerning part here is that everybody. But Columbus has more wins than FCC. And for some reason, that is the first tiebreaker in MLS. It is not goal differential. Uh, It's not even head-to-head. Spain does head-to-head as the first tiebreaker. And I love that. That is absolutely what MLS should be doing because that's way more fair given your unbalanced schedules. Like if I get to play all of the bad teams in the West – and I rack up more wins than you, but you beat me twice earlier in the year, you don't get to go ahead of me on a tiebreaker. That's nonsense. But if they want to use I, any tiebreaker, it should be yeah. most it should be ranked by least number of losses. Because in soccer, yeah. especially, like going on the road, getting the draw is way more impressive to me than yeah. than losing, obviously. And it tells me it tells me more about a team. How many times have they went and at least gotten a point out of something versus like Like, what's the difference between FC Cincinnati and Charlotte this year? It's that Charlotte's only managed two draws the entire year, and they've lost a shitload of games. Whereas FC Cincinnati, for better or worse, as annoying as it was during the process, they've been very, very good at grinding results out to the point where, you know, I I put it up on the Bird app, but this team has only lost one game (laughs) since May. Right. That's that's absurd. Like, when you really, like, think about how much soccer – and how much just physical time has elapsed before since this team has lost a game besides that Columbus Crew game? I, and was that Crew game without without Lucho? Lucho, without Lucho. yeah. Was Wobodo in that game? Wobodo was in that game. He gave that up one. A, okay. gave up a penalty. That's what it was. Okay, for Crew's he missed. Goal. He missed the second Columbus. Game, Crew's right? first goal was an extremely soft foul called on uh, Kubo, That's and then right. yeah. the second goal was a was a penalty from a handball in the box from, from as, is, as is tradition. Cla- classic. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Chief, I, I completely agree with you. Miami uh, is like doing the same thing as FCC. And it's actually like if we weren't competing for the same playoff spots, I'd totally respect it as like two shitty teams that have finally managed to put it together right at the right time. But they're peaking at the right time as well. They've got a, an attacking trio in Pasuelo, Iguain, and the other guy whose name is going to escape uh-huh. me. Yeah. And they're um like they're 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 heading in the right direction as well. And yeah, if I'm Columbus or if I'm whoever else is in that mix, Orlando, Atlanta, like they're the biggest threat right now. That's that's the problem. And I Atlanta, really Atlanta's not a threat. Atlanta's Atlanta can max they out, out? 40, they can max out at forty six. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, they've already they, played thirty two games. Already. Caleb yeah. Porter has eliminated them from the playoff race. So they're technically <laughs> they're technically still in, but yeah. The, the supremely annoying part about Miami, too, is that I can't unknow the fact that they fucking stole that game from us when we had them beat. Yes. And all of a sudden, full contact soccer became legal for Gonzalo Higuain. Otherwise, we win that game. No questions asked. Ugh. Yeah. <sighs> that, yeah. The nice. Yeah. <laughs> also, Higuain I mean, has scored yeah. like something like six penalties this year. 
Yeah, like they've gotten they've gotten plenty of penalties. It wasn't was was that the game where Tyler Black had got pushed into a guy and they, um, and they and they called a penalty on VAR. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've blocked out just about everything Tyler Blackett has done this year. I'm, like, I'm <laughs> trying hard to forget that he's on the team. That we're, I'm know, trying hard to forget we're paying him eight hundred thousand clams to just be terrible at his job. Given that it was an extension, uh, I'm guessing that actually went up a tiny amount. <laughs> I, I I assume that's how uh, most extensions work. Um, worth noting, and we did not mention this in the last section. Zico Bailey traveled instead of Blackett to RSL. That's insanity. I yeah. I just just I good, don't know. just a good bit of know? business all around at picking up that option. <laughs> Does anybody know if Blackett's like in the country? Like, is there any proof he's like here at all? We'll find out when uh, when he starts against Chivas, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, <laughs> when's, the la- when's the last time he was in the team? It's he came in as a sub maybe a month ago. It's, it's, within, it's within in the last month, I think. Yeah, but he was used as like a late sub to help see out a game. Did he come in versus Columbus? Maybe, maybe that would not. be a significant amount of time ago if that was the case. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, fuck. It's been a while. Ah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. This this playoff race is insane, and the craziest part is is that there's so many teams are in the running for this that it's very difficult to say. <laughs> again much to Caleb Porter's chagrin that like there's not a magic number there's not a magic number of results if FCC wins out they control their destiny if FCC wins two games uh they're in if they win and get two draws I think we were pretty confident that they would get in but a win and a draw and a loss puts them at the mercy of a lot of tiebreakers and a lot of other results going their way so um, I, w- I will continue to tweet out results to root for. People seem to really like those. But um, Orlando, yeah, plays, point, at the, Orlando at, plays both Columbus and Miami. Yes. To, so all to, three to, of them to, can so, max out. So, like, yes. Like, there are scenarios where we don't get in on 48 or 49 points. But, ve- like, kind of a very specific permutation needs to happen. Yeah. Which, based um, on just the luck of Cincinnati sports over the last like yeah, my lifetime, I just I would rather just keep winning than trust the uh, the the math to work out in terms of the the table and the tiebreakers and whatnot. I I just <laughs> I, I have You're a tough time. I I just have a tough time believing that. Well, I could believe anything, but I have a tough time believing they're not going to be Chicago at home in that last home game of the year. I assume the stadium is going to be absolutely rocking for that game, and that's going to be a pretty cool environment and. Yeah. I feel like that's a win for them. And then that would put them to 48. And they, I have to believe they manage at least a draw against DC and a draw against Seattle. If they lose one of those games, maybe we start talking, but I don't know this, this team at this point, they, they don't feel due for a loss. I feel like I it would be more surprising if they didn't at least pick a point up out of at least every one of the games that they have left played left on their schedule. Yeah. So he, here's something else that that's at stake. Okay. Yes, the team has finished last three years in a row, right? But if you make the playoffs this year and you kind of stabilize, make the playoffs again next year and we stay on this trajectory, then in a couple of years, we'll look back on this and be like, FC Cincinnati's entry into MLS was fine. And here's where, here's where I'm coming from. 
RSL didn't make the playoffs until season four. Toronto didn't make the playoffs until season nine. Yeah. Orlando didn't make the playoffs until season six. Philly made it one in the once in the its first six seasons, and Portland only made it. Portland made it in the third season, missed the fourth season. Right. I guess. I guess. Don't do Nashville and uh, Nashville and Austin. Right. But my my point is like nobody nobody like talks about nobody talks about like people talk about like Toronto. I think sometimes. Yeah. But like people don't talk about these other teams today as being garbage fire disasters because they've they've stabilized and been fine. Toronto is really the only one that people still talk about. So. You know, make the playoffs this year, make the playoffs next year, be, you know, as good as we think we're going to be. And, you know, despite despite some hiccups, everything is everything. Everything is going to be perfectly fine. And we're just going to settle in to being a good MLS team. And no one is going to care about how many wooden spoons the team got in the early 2020s. Yeah, which I, I, I don't know. It's a dumb thing to to point out, but I I also watched the uh, the RSL feed and uh, uh, Dunseth was talking about uh, FCC finally let soccer people make soccer decisions, and that's why they're doing good this year. And that's a fair critique in 2020, <laughs> but like if you're gonna tell me Jared Nightcamp in Ron Jans and Yapstam aren't soccer people, then I, I don't know. I don't know who are soccer people. You can argue their competence, but I, I thought that was that was a, a a weirdly like not even a low blow, just like a super late take. Like everybody just like assumed FCC in 2019 was going to be what FCC was going to be forever. Um and before and anybody not- defends Nightcamp because like you know, who Brenner. the fuck is defending him right Wait, now? No, I just want to. I just want to say, like, there is like, there is, I guess, a a train of thought you could go down, where you say, well, look, Brenner looks great, Vasquez looks great, Acosta <laughs> looks great, Alan Cruz these are looks all, great. Yeah, that was a Isaac, Ata- Isaac Atonga looks great. But look at look at these attackers that that Tyler Blackett sign, looks great, right? Um, Night, Kenneth Ramirez yeah, looks great. You could argue. You could argue. Nightcamp has signed the best attack in the in the entire league. But, but, but my, uh. but, but the trump card that you can always play is Yapstam. Yeah, right. Because that was that was Nightcamp's pick for for manager. And, and unmitigated disaster. Ron Jans as well, but for slightly sure. different for reasons. Ca- for more like, for more karaoke reasons than anything else. <laughs> oh my god! And the staff, I just, uh, I, the staff that that Albright put together. Yeah, you can't you can't say enough good things about. And yes, like Albright's made some made some home run signings this year. Made some so so signings, but not everything's going to be knock it knock it out of the park, right? Although right. I'm, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic on Santos now that I've seen him, you know, come in as a sub late in games, a couple of times. But like the staff that that he put together, um, if 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 we, this team makes the playoffs yeah. and Noonan yeah. doesn't win Coach of the Year after improving the 
goal differential of this team at by the end of the season it's going to be like 50 plus difference i'm like, confident i'm confident they're going to make the playoffs i just it it, it, it strikes me as too far-fetched and i get mls is a wacky fucking league but they are top five in scoring in terms of goals scored and they have the fifth fewest losses in the league i mean yeah they are it, it's hard for us to see it because we're in the middle of it but they're an objectively good soccer team right now and they are better than they have been at any point during the year like this is right. the, the version of fc cincinnati you are watching play right now is the best version of FC Cincinnati that has existed in MLS and it, it, at multiple places. Yes, yeah. right. Because you can you can pinpoint a point in time when every area of the field got better and kind of like you know almost like irrevocably better than than it yeah. than it that than it was you know ever in ever in its history. Right? Because you can you can say. All right, and you know, like like I said earlier, like like Brenner healthy, and we get our three guys together June 29th, right? Attack yeah. sorted. Uh, Ob signed in May, right? Yeah. Midfield basically sorted. Miazga signed at the end of the summer window. Window defense as sorted. good as it was ever going to be this year. So if yeah. we only end right. up making the playoffs by a point or two, then really. What you can point to, if you want to sound super big-brained as to why this team made the playoffs, is that we were able to, by virtue of the CONCACAF Champions League, push a game from earlier in the year where the team wasn't as complete and wasn't in a good run of form. We were able to time-shift that game into the future when the team was in better form, had had the entire summer window to get better, and now we are in a better position to compete with a team like Seattle and go on the road to get a result from a team like Seattle. So yes. in a strange sort of way, <laughs> we wondered at the start of the year, what would the impact be of that Seattle game moving? And what it has done is it has allowed us to put the best foot forward, put the best version of ourselves on the field. And maybe you play that game originally, and that's a loss going out West without all the pieces yeah. in place, without Brenner being in his good form, without Miazga there, without that was pre Wobodo. I think when that game was originally oh, scheduled, yeah. yep. they're, they're having to play a much more difficult version of FC Cincinnati and the version of Seattle we're getting with uh, people on card suspensions and people off on international duty, yes. maybe an ex exceptionally weaker version of Seattle than you would have otherwise received. And yes, I'll go, I, I'll go I have better. the list. I have the list real fast, real fast. Right, go, just go. so people know, uh, potentially or guaranteed uh, to miss for Seattle. Morris, Ariga, Nuhu, Rusnek, Rui Diaz, Alex Rodon, and Nico Lodero will be out on yellow card accumulation suspension. The rest of those guys will be with their national teams. Some of them are playing in what I'll call uh, pointless international tournaments. They they may be able to be re recalled back. They'll have a strong argument, uh, assuming Seattle is still in a playoff race, and I I. I think we're the next game up in MLS. So so they should have the opportunity to come back. But that's a lot of guys missing from a team that is on a playoff on the wrong side of the playoff bubble right now. So the, the other thing is people complained about the Who concert yes. making us play <laughs> Toronto twice. If we don't play Toronto twice in a row and that Who concert game gets moved to 
sometime in the summer or later. Post post Italian invasion. We get we get like three Italian national team members on Toronto. And I get I get that I get that Toronto has not really been any better with all these guys than than they were before. But I am still scared to death yeah. of any version of FC Cincinnati going up against like, you know, Lorenzo and Senia. Yeah. They they're not overall they're not a better team. But they will like every three games they put it all together and just absolutely run the other team off the table. And I don't even want to roll the dice that that happens to us. So yes, uh, God bless uh, the the who forcing us to move that game around. Um, <laughs> People try to put us down. <laughs> uh, uh, check out the new boss, same as the old boss. That that was the uh, the night camp my years. Mat, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying something out. We got it. We we can we can make something happen. Usually, um, I'm just on Matchbox Twenty songs. Yeah, no one knows what it's like <laughs> behind orange and blue eyes. Nah, it doesn't work. Now it's uh, sounding like Tommy G trying to shoehorn orange and blue into everything. Mm. Are you dancing in the Bailey tonight? Not, not if I can help it. I don't know anybody that likes that call. That's neither here nor there. But I've always hated it. The uh, part three. No, I like this. We're, we we got some social media roundup. We got we got to talk about some posts on this one. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll do that in part three. Part three. Everybody's favorite social media. It's either the greatest invention in uh, modern technology or the beginning of the end for uh, for modern society. Destroying but, democracy uh, <laughs> from the comfort of your pocket. You know, uh, it's, it's all a matter of perspective, right? So I feel like we got to – you went with the democracy angle, so I'm going to go with oh, this boy. one first. I love this. Uh, God bless you, Copa09 on FCC Reddit posted this uh the title was curious colon how political or apolitical should fcc be which i love the framing of uh, you can be political or apolitical uh tomorrow crew supporters are organizing a protest at the site of a fundraiser for jd vance the jd vance fundraiser is hosted by crew investor operators the haslam brothers and dr p edwards crew supporters will be hosting a fundraiser for tim ryan in light of ownership support of vance basically goes on to ask what do you want from fcc and almost everybody says they want a team to be apolitical but I, I know, uh, Grayson, you've mentioned this before as well. I I firmly believe you can't be apolitical if you exist in a world with politics. Like, neutrality is a position uh, in, in certain things. But I do think it's worth pointing out that uh, FCC is probably not going to go out and make a a hard stance on the the Keystone Pipeline. That just feels a little weird that the club would release a club statement on something like that. But to say that the club wasn't going to, or the club or, or Carl Linder more directly, wasn't going to be 
sponsoring or endorsing or, or funding candidates who are going to give them a, a favorable vote on a stadium uh, vote in local politics. I, I think it'd be unreasonable or even a bad fan to hope that your team doesn't try to do things locally to, to do well. I don't know. Grayson, where, where should, should a team be political? Can a team be apolitical? Well, well, first I want to say that I really enjoyed when I saw that this was happening with the Columbus <laughs> crew because, um, like, they, these people had, like, political lobby, lobbyists involved in Save the Crew. Like, these people yes. were, like, like quote-unquote grassroots organizing or whatever with, you know, your classic grassroots constituency of uh, – Columbus law firms and Mike DeWine and uh, uh, lobbyists, uh, you know, the best kind of lobbyists, uh, state government level lobbyists. And the entire thing was to just hand over a franchise at a fairly, I don't know, probably probably fairly substantial discount of, of what they could do to, you know, some of the worst rich people you could imagine. And then it's like, I don't yeah. know, it's like you played you played politics with that. And then obviously, like, there was politics involved with with Build It Here. And, like, look, I hate J.D. Vance. And I'm not going to spend, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road right now. I hate that guy. But, like, if, if I found out that, that Carl Lidner and, whoever else was having a fundraiser for JD Vance, I would probably just shrug my shoulders and be like, yeah, it sounds like what they would do. Sounds on brand. I I do. I do have to point out the, the utter, what I find to be disdainful hypocrisy. And um, the the whole crew thing is just the worst type of virtue signaling to, I don't care if Morgan Hughes or the, the headband weirdo and all these people, if they want to donate their money in their spare time, but they were silent when their ownership uh, paid Deshaun Watson a quarter of a billion dollars in guaranteed money when he was a rapist. Yep. Like, yeah. There were no banners. There were no, I'm burning my season tickets. I can't support these people. But they have a fundraiser for a political candidate they don't like, and that's the last straw on this. Come on. I'm sorry. Right. Like, and like, look, right. somebody's got to own the team. And I, I've always, <laughs> I've always felt it was embarrassing when fan bases like Portland will have, like, Merritt Paulson chance right <laughs> right so, like somebody who's the the trust fund kid of the uh treasury secretary <laughs> that paid out all of his buddies at goldman sachs to the detriment of you know all the the rest of you know us right during the financial crash but um there's really no way so obviously Teams are going to get involved in politics. They're build it here. They they have development stuff that they have to do. And I don't think anybody says, even people who are like, no, the team should be totally apolitical, out of politics all the time. I don't want to hear it. Focus on soccer. They didn't really mean that because, like, obviously, they're they're a business, right? They're 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 right. like a civic right. community when, institution. But like, but when they're going to be involved. They're going to when, do stuff. What they mean is like. Stay out of the national politics. Stay right. out of stay out of red team versus blue team is what yeah, they yeah. mean by that. And that's, and, and that's really what the problem is. Yeah. Right. And, and that's that when I, when I say that I want soccer to be apolitical, what I want soccer to be is I want soccer to be not even apolitical, but just pause political. 
Like mm. I want soccer to be something where I can, you know, all of us are now by virtue of just modern society, we have been dragged into this hellscape where everything is painted red team versus blue team, right down to the car you drive, the store you shop at, the places you get food from. It's all red team versus blue team shit. And look, I, I you know, my politics are, are well known um, and complex like most people's are. Uh, but just it's nice that soccer and sports in general can be kind of a pause to some extent from this this nonstop constant barrage of let's go Brandon on one side and today is the worst day ever I can't believe you know what horrible awful thing this side did or whatever it's just I I don't need it in the face all the time I don't need it to be front and center all the time and like Grayson said I I had any Cincinnati owner, any Cincinnati fan that's dunking on the crew in this situation, like in the hole, it's like Carl Linder supports a lot of people you probably disagree with fundamentally. If you were on the left side of the aisle, Carl is going to host a fundraiser for J.D. Vance. It's going to happen quietly. It's going to happen in Indian Hill. There's not going to be a lot of publicity around it. He's going to host one for Mike DeWine if he hasn't already done that. He'll host one for whoever the Republican nominee for president is in two years. And it's just... I don't want to think about it. And I understand that that's, there's a privilege attached to being apolitical, but I'm going to exercise my privilege and say that I kind of like it that I have soccer as an opportunity to just not think about shit other than how much Brenner would be better if he scored goals at a more regular clip <laughs> versus three and two at a time, or just hating on the fact that Brandon Vasquez sat the bench for this team for so long when he could have been scoring goals and making games less miserable along the way. So like when I read this shit, it, I, I hate, I hated reading this. I mean, I loved reading this because again, I'm the one advocating for the fight button on Twitter, but yes. um, <laughs> just curious how political or apolitical should FC Cincinnati be? You don't want to know an answer to that question. You just want to fight. Like nobody posts that yeah. to a social media form unless it's to pick a fight. And I don't know who the fuck posts this. Copa 09 is. Yeah. I haven't gone through his posting history. That'll probably happen later tonight after I'm a couple more beers, you know, deep on all this to figure out what his deal is. But it's just somebody trying to pick a fight and just trying to get people to fight over being red team versus blue team. And just, I hate that. And as much as we can keep that aspect of politics out of soccer and out of sports, fucking sign me up. Just, it's so tiring <laughs> in every other aspect of society. And like, it, it's different. It is different here than it is yes. in Europe. Yes. yes, because because yes, there are like European clubs that, and for better, and for way, 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 <laughs> way worse. Yeah, yeah that are associated down the rabbit with, hole a little with different you know types of politics. But those are these systems where it's like there. There's more like kind of disperse parties but the problem is like anything you do here as a quote-unquote club or as an sg or whatever nearly anything is going to get filtered into the two-party system the red versus blue right and like we obviously on this on this podcast have opinions and a point of view you know like it is funny to like not not all the time because not everybody's funny but it is sometimes funny to make a joke about like 
Jeff Cameron's politics, you know, right. because he's he's very outspoken about it and he says like really dumb shit, right? But like does that mean like I don't want him on the team if I don't like see him at seeing him out there on the field playing really really well now that Matt Miazga, another guy with politics I don't like is playing next to him? No, cuz this is cuz it's not what it's about, right? This is right. and I don't want to like play out the 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 current political struggle with the soccer team I support because I'm already like because like let's say like you could be like well you know this is a time when when American democracy is like really up for grabs because you have all these all these you know anti-liberal anti-democracy people trying to like steal elections and stuff but like again even if that were true it's just gonna get filtered back into the red versus blue right and when you yes. filter it back through the red versus blue, there's all types of stuff that you gotta that you gotta try to reconcile with it, and it's it just doesn't really belong as like something the team should be publicly concerning itself with, right? right. And, and like, there's always going to be kind of a issues that we're all going to be able to be united behind. Right. Like there's always going to be something where it's like, okay, we're going to have a statement of unity or we're going to do a pride night. We're going to make really or we can make like all types of like really anodyne statements about, um, you know, who everybody's welcome. But when you get down into the specifics of like whether owners are fundraising for you know jd vance who i really do think is like one of the worst people like i just not going to concern myself with that right i'm gonna have i have my own political activities in my own life that i handle and take care of and oh a rich person is fundraising for a freak yeah (laughs) like news at 11 like, but it's also worth pointing out too that like the owner and the club are different, and I, I think rightly everybody you know talks about Carl Linder, but also uh, Meg Whitman is a ambassador to some African nation on behalf Kenya. of the Biden administration. Kenya, yeah, on behalf of the Biden administration. So like we we cut both ways at least in terms of how the the ownership group breaks out but i think too you, you bring the team's up a great not hosting a fundraiser for james right and that's the thing that if would it was... be something else right yes the team should not or... be hosting a fundraiser for like a political for like a politician right owners <laughs> like a percentage Whatever. of all the ticket sales for the chivas friendly are going to go to the uh, reelect mike dewine campaign like that would be like wow this is really a fucking statement from the club this is something else um also, i also enjoyed not, not, also not to be creepy yeah. but while you guys were talking about that i did do a Please. dive into this guy's posting history <laughs> i was it's wondering a, what was happening it's amazing how much you can learn about people just by reading through the reddit history like i've learned that this guy is in his late 40s early 50s has multiple kids at least two daughters Drives a Tesla, lives in Mount Lookout, um, played soccer growing up, plays the drums recreationally, and is really in Jeff? The... Whoa. Is this, Whoa. Is this Bill Wolf? <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we clearly know this person. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Also, um, like, also, like, though, talk to your kids. I don't know. They'll be posting like right. flame threads on Reddit. <laughs> I I like that everybody's saying the club should be apolitical. I'm curious if those same people are down to like cancel the racial equity jerseys and the salute to America jerseys and the Pride Night jerseys. Like those are political statements no, as it's, well. It's, you, you've missed you've missed the base definition of political. It's not political if I agree with it. Well, yeah, of course absolutely. I. I did Fly respond to that cool. thread. I did. I did respond to that thread. FCC should support things I like. I mean, fuck you guys. That's that's what I want. I mean, it may not be what's best for the team's bottom line, but that's, that's what I would like to see. Um, no, and I, I think too, Grayson, you brought up a great point. It's different in Europe. In in Europe, these teams were formed out of pre-existing communities, so you already had a baked-in culture coming into the fan base. And that's why you have multiple teams in the same cities that represent different groups. FC Cincinnati, (laughs) okay, was started by Jeff Birding looking for an investor, right? Like that's ultimately the the story. So is FCC's culture uh, conservative Democrat, like white collar Democrat, then, then maybe that's what FCC's culture should be. But you know, if FCC, as I said, you know earlier, if FCC was was started by AK Steel employees in the 1920s, and all of the the kids in the Bailey have family members who work in the in the steel mill and are a union, then yeah, that that's probably going to be a left leaning political organization. And if you were sort of a right-leaning evangelical or Catholic kid on the East side, then you would probably be supporting a completely different club that may or may not be playing at the same division what, as the Beachmont Arby's FC. <laughs> Beachmont mob. Come on. <laughs> who, who didn't have one of those skate tapes back in the day? <laughs> um, no, yeah. like that's where these different cultures come from. Or it'd be, you know, by which church you went to or whatever. It it would be different. Yeah, we so have like, so the, our it's yeah. high school football is is our yes. is our political like we're gonna have all of our takes associated with one team that we all support for the rest of our lives for weird reasons. Yes. Right? Like you, if Elder had a soccer had a professional soccer team, it'd be like, Okay, this is like the cops team. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All these fans Mol- are cops. And if Moeller had a soccer team, they would struggle to spell the word cop. It's, you know, it's all part of like life's rich pageant right here. Oh, no. Now, now I'm imagining the uh, the clashes between uh, my, my Anderson Township teams and the inner city teams and just the uh, the, the horrific uh, racial scenes that and we've some, seen in someone, high school football already. Some big investor would come over from the U.K., and would suggest that there needs to be an all-star game played between the east side and the west side of Cincinnati, where we determine once and for all who has bragging rights supremacy. I, uh, but okay, but honestly though, imagine a professional semi-pro. It'd have to be semi-pro, semi-pro men's soccer league in Cincinnati that is essentially based around the area high schools. And like you adopt the colors, you can adopt the na- the the mascots, but like you do pro rel across whatever you, you could easily get. 40 teams uh, across the greater Cincinnati area. We'll throw in Northern Kentucky. That'll be fun. 
And I mean, you could have a pretty, a pretty robust amateur league in Cincinnati by just sticking to those, those high school constituencies as I'm going to, I'm going to base this on absolutely nothing whatsoever, but I have a, just as, the first thing that popped into my mind is that somehow Roger Bacon would just dominate this setup. I don't know why I think that. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever, but it's like, yeah, Roger Bacon sounds like a team that's winning this league. See, the alumni, I mean, it's basically college sports, right? But like the alumni networks would be funding these guys and like poaching guys off of USL teams to be ringers for Mason or, or Beachwood I, I or do, whatever. On that note, I do want the NIL <laughs> rules to trickle down to high school because I really do want to see what would happen if there were God. alumni in Cincinnati that were able to do name, image, and likeness deals for high school athletes. Like I mean, just fucking the- dudes like doing pitches for like like AE Door now has some dude that's playing quarterback <laughs> for St. X selling oh, windows to people. The private schools would go on a recruiting spree the world has never seen before. Just, just, just-, <laughs> just the absurdity of high school kids like pitching products to people and like eighth graders coming out and they're already getting the deals coming in because like, oh, you signed on with elders, so we have, you know, I'm you know, here's like Tyler Stevens from for Wild Mikes. Before all Hi, my bi- from, from I'm, all, I'm Tyler and my favorite wings are the hot barbecue. Come on down to Wild Mike's. Oh, it'd be so good. Before my big games at St. Eyes, <laughs> I always go to Wild Mike's for the Mike's mix. <laughs> we have completely lost Grayson on this bit too, and I love it. <laughs> oh, but that is, I mean, if anybody's not from Cincinnati and is listening, this is why people ask you what high school you went to. It is the cultural shortcut to figure out your upbringing, who you are, your politics, your religion. It's it's the great stereotype. It's my, it's my absolute favorite thing about Cincinnati culture, and it just pains me that I didn't go to high school around here. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you guys listen to the Pat Noonan interview with Grant Wall? I did not. I I find him to be an insufferable twat, and not even Pat Noonan can make me listen to a word he has to say. So, um, Pat Noonan talked about growing up in in St. Louis, in like the you know soccer culture or whatever around the city. Who also does the weird high school thing? Yes, Yes. he talked about it. He talked about he was like he was like oh in St. Louis it's a big thing like oh what high school did you go to? I'm like this guy is supposed to be our coach for the rest of our lives. He gets us. He gets us. I for some reason I, I don't know why that stuck out of me. St. Louis is the only other city that I've heard that does that. Also a very Catholic city, and I'm wondering if New Orleans had that as well. I'm wondering if that's a, a hallmark of sort of like mid-range Catholic cities. So I've always been of the take that in Cincinnati, what we're really missing is that they say the city isn't welcoming to like outsiders and people that aren't sure. from here. There yeah, really fuck should there fuck them right. <laughs> <laughs> fuck those people. They're not like us. No, there should, what are you doing? <laughs> there should be a process by which, if you are from someplace else, you can be officially adopted by a high school in Cincinnati. Oh, I love this. So that, like, when somebody asks you where you went to high school, that, like, you know, you will answer just, you know, you may have gone to high school at fucking St. Bart's in Cleveland or whatever the fuck yeah. they have up there. But no, now that I live in Cincinnati, I have chosen as my adopted school, I've been recruited into. The Lakota West family, and I'm now a Lakota West grad. Or like, yeah. no, I, I I love everything about Elder High School. I have season tickets at the pit now, and I got really into it. Like, they should have an open drive every year where it's like, we're looking for new fans. And if you're sick of not being able to answer this question, just say that you're a Molar alum if you want to be seen as a 
jarhead for the rest of your fucking life. Or <laughs> I am now a McNicholas guy because, you know, I love El Coyote or whatever. But, like, yeah. we should open this up so that everyone can have their own high school, even if you didn't go to high school around here. I like this a lot. You could you could try to, like, create affiliate networks where if you find, like, you know, the Roger Bacon of Columbus and you're like, all right, if you went to this high school, you're in our team now. Like, you, you try to find these, like, little regional networks. Like, I, like the, I like or, like, that. Delta Sky Miles, like you code share. Yeah. Right? Like, it transfers <laughs> to... Yes. yes. Your, your miles are good on all of our affiliate airlines. And, yeah, like, like all the Catholic schools should definitely do this. Like, all the yes. Jesuit schools should get together with, like, St. Axe. And if, if you went to a Jesuit high school someplace else in another city, then by default, you now have membership in the uh, the St. X Sky Lounge uh, for yes. all of your time here in Cincinnati. Did you go to a very large public school, a very small public school? Was it wealthy? Was it was it not wealthy? Was it rural? Was it ex-urban? You know, we can find you a spot. <laughs> and then you can participate in the conversation. When you go to the party and it's that awkward question of, Where'd you go to high school at? You don't have to give the long-winded answer of like, oh, well, see, I was at St. Andrews in Milford, and then my dad took a job someplace else, and I didn't go to... You can just say, I went to St. X. Cool. And then everybody's like, all right, they've judged you already. I do love, though, that the question is, what school did you go to? Not... I don't typically hear what high school. It's it's what school did you go to? And I love it when somebody will go like, oh, yeah, you know, I went to Northwestern. I'm like, no, 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 no. High school, buddy. No, you've, already answered, you've already answered the question when you say <laughs> right, that's true. They, 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 people around here don't know that Northwestern's a college. You've been, oh, you went to Northwest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wyoming. Right. <laughs> went to Wyoming. Oh, my, my I went dad, to Georgetown. My, oh, you're from Kentucky. My dad knew a guy when he was working in another state and as a joke back in the day like in the 70s when like there were high school football was like you know it was still as big as it is but the way that all the TV stations got the scores for games to put on TV was that somebody just called into the television station and would say hey tonight's final was you know Taft 25 you know Cubcalf 30 like those teams never play each other but like so when right. he was living out out of state, he had a friend who every week would call into a TV station and report a fake school playing another fake school just to get it on television. And he successfully, for all five years my dad lived and knew this guy, this guy successfully every week during high school football season, the team name he had was Wallagana High School. And every week he got Wallagana High School to appear on the local NBC affiliate, CBS affiliate, and ABC affiliate, reporting their scores week after week, and absolutely no one fact-checked as to whether or not it was a real school. <laughs> so here's something people should definitely look up on YouTube. Okay. Okay. There's this guy. He's a he's a comedian. He's on he's on the show. Um, he's on the show. What we do in the shadows. Um, but he used to do a bit where he would pretend to be a yo-yo master. <laughs> and go around the country and get on like local TV news stations. <laughs> and he's been on like there, there's like a 20 minute video on YouTube. There's just a compilation of him going on various uh, various local news stations, <laughs> pretending to be a yoga master, and then pretending to be completely unable to do like anything with a yo-yo. It's very, it's very, very funny. John John Oliver did a similar thing where he found out that like all these TV news segments, it's all paid promotional stuff. Like I got a friend of mine that like he worked for Kroger for a while, and he got on all the morning news shows here because Kroger was paying for it. 
where John Oliver was advertising a regenerative vagina healing blanket that <laughs> was supposed to help rejuvenate your vagina based on German technology that was developed about 80 years ago, which if you did the math, <laughs> yes, was like directly yes. during the Third Reich. And <laughs> there were so many TV stations that booked his fake person with their fake product to come on and talk on their health segment about this incredible new invention and this new product that they had to offer. And it was just right. paid for by cutting a check. <laughs> just no critical pushback whatsoever. Like, no. how does it work? What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more about this amazing thing that you guys have. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Boy, that went I off mean, the rails. <laughs> <laughs> I had another thing from the internet to talk about, but it seems silly to even bring it up at this point. But uh, Yeah, Eli Room yelled at a crew fan. That was pretty funny. Eli, Eli Room yelled at a crew fan. Um I think this has been pointed out, but it's worth pointing out again. Uh, this crew fan did not tag Room. He had the he hashtag. Just... Okay, okay. He had, he, had the, the the crew, he had the crew 96 hashtag or whatever like their official team hashtag is. Okay. So it doesn't mean I, – I saw people say that it meant that Eloy Room name searched. He very well might name search. He very well do – he, he may very well do what I call the Grant Wall. But, <laughs> um, but also – he, you know, maybe somebody just clicked on the the Crew96 hashtag. Or maybe he was scrolling Twitter and it was like, you may like this. You may be interested in this. <laughs> Spoiler God, so alert, sad. he certainly didn't. <laughs> the fight button popped up and he's right. like, yes. <laughs> God, how, if, can you imagine how awful it would be to be an athlete and get on Twitter? I can't imagine what kind of a psychopath you have to be to get on and read anything about a team you are playing on or... <laughs> <laughs> or do a name search for yourself. Like even after the best game ever, your mentions are probably a dumpster fire. Oh yeah, the the one missed pass you had in the 40th minute generated you know 30 ats immediately. Like what the fuck are you doing, man? Uh, what I really like, it does uh, kind of remind me the closest we I've ever gotten. I assume most of us have gotten is uh, when an article from the post makes it onto r slash mls reddit in the comments they're not good always crack they're never good. they always crack <laughs> me up these fucking morons they don't get anything and then like there'll always be yes. one person they're like i'm from cincinnati and these guys are a joke and then the next yeah. like one down will be like it's mostly a satire site so you really can't take anything they say seriously <laughs> I I I love it. So that's that's my like that's as close as as I'll ever get to to getting that feedback. But um, what yeah, I, Eli Room going out a, and sorry sorry, but what I, what, yeah, I, what I like to imagine here is not that Eloy Room is going on Twitter. It's somebody from his team Ooh. is going on Twitter and then just like challenging fans to fights on Eloy Room's <laughs> behalf. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that. I also like if uh I wonder if like the the team is like in the locker room or or in their their group WhatsApp or just like sharing mean tweets other people sent about other players on the team and so they're like oh room check this guy out and they send it to just like trying to trigger each other by finding the worst tweets about each other. See this is he also he deleted this, right? I think. Yeah, he deleted it. Yeah. Which is why that's a bitch move. I'm sorry. That's a that's a baby back bitch move. The the only real <laughs> athlete I respect on Twitter, honestly, is Kevin Durant. 
just because <laughs> he's so unapologetically himself. He had what I consider to be one of the greatest tweets ever sent in the history of sports. When somebody told him, um, Durant, he's online, and somebody says, relax, big dog, you're Kevin Durant, life is too sweet. You know, objectively good advice to give someone who is a multimillionaire, MVP, probably first ballot Hall of Famer. And his response was, there's no relax, champ. No relax when I'm on Twitter. I'm on 10 until the second I close the app. You relax. And I'm just like, you know what? Hell yeah. Like, if you're going to get on Twitter, don't be a bitch and delete your responses. If you're going to get into it with the fans, leave it up. Go full in. Two feet in. Double fisted. Both guns blazing. And just go at it. Like, hit the fight button if you're going to hit the fucking fight button. I have seen some misinformation going out online, and I don't know if this is like from Russian bots or from from what, but um, I have seen people say, well, remember Ben Lunt argued with fans on Twitter. He did not. No. To no. my knowledge. I believe he only argued with Pat Brand. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what's, the closest, what's the closest we've gotten to on this? Is it is it Bobby Edwards calling out the Tifus that one time? Because like usually... Yeah. Like our our team's been so fucking dog shit that I assume all of them just deleted social media off their phones during the Yapstam administration. Um, I, I I can't find the tweets, but there was one time where where Joe Jow had a tweet and somebody responded like something critical of his play, and Jonah and his brother immediately jumped down that guy's throat, and that guy has deleted his tweets, but the rest of the conversation is still up. Including Jowls. Including Jowls, including Jowls tweet, yeah. I think it was, and Jonah has has long stood on this, and I completely agree, which is like, if you're an FCC fan and you're mad at an FCC player about like something that happened on the field, don't tag them. No. (laughs) Like, you don't need to tag them. And that's... Guy that tags (laughs) an athlete because he's mad at the way they played is like the worst person imaginable. Yes. I had somebody do that. They did the old snitch tag for me when I was complaining about some player. They like tagged him underneath. Like, oh man, I don't, I don't actually want them to see this. This is for your consumption, not theirs. They have coaching staffs that are paid to yell at them for not doing this. I don't know what the fuck yeah. I'm I talking specific- about. I, I specifically <laughs> didn't tag them because I want to bitch, but I don't want to ruin their day. So like, right. Right, and, and, that, and if, if I they're ever searching their name out, yeah. that's their fault. That's not. I didn't jump into their inbox. They jumped into my replies. Then at that point, and that's on them. Right, and they're welcome to you know search things I've done at work and tweet me about it. Like, hey, what the fuck happened on that email, Kev? <laughs> Two spelling mistakes. Like, come on, <laughs> get your shit together, man. <laughs> I don't know. I I just, I just it's, it's fun. It's fun watching Columbus Crew fans melt down, though. Like that's the takeaway here is that it's not going well in Crew Land. Um, I have been consistently tweeting hashtag Save Porter under uh, Columbus Crew results uh, the last Again? couple of weeks. So I uh, I want Porter to stick around. I I I really hope that he shushed our crowd for a second year in a row. Only for that draw to have ultimately uh, been the reason why they don't make the playoffs. My, I think that my only be... hope is that if they miss the playoffs on whatever the last match graphic is of the year that Columbus puts up, that everyone with an FC Cincinnati-related account just tweets the little emoji of the guy with the finger up to the his shush. mouth. Just shushes yes. the post. I just want, What I want to see is I want to see a ratio of nothing but people 
with like FCC related avatars and like Twitter handles and just shushing the entire post all the way down, ratioed uh, I, by the shush. I want to I want to say a a, a state of preference. Okay, all right. not a not a gif from some random movie or something of somebody shushing. Literally the stupid little yellow shush. <laughs> yes, just emoji. that, and just yes. one, just one. Just Don't one. fill the screen up with them. Just tweet one. They're not worth the effort of more than one. One little yellow dude, finger to the mouth, shush. I mean, that's that has to happen. I yeah. need that to happen. <laughs> and then maybe maybe one person. If you see one person do it, don't you follow? I need one person to tweet, r- win a real ring. I need that to happen, too. <laughs> win a real COVID banners don't count. Right. Everybody knows that. Columbus Frauds it- SC, win a real ring. They uh they didn't hand out the wooden spoon. They didn't hand out MLS cup. That's that's, that's what, what I'm, I'm sticking with. It's not real. <laughs> uh gentlemen, I think we've talked enough. You got some editing I'm, to do. I'm all talked out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta go straight surgeon on this thing. <laughs> well, if it does if it gets cut, the high school talk was electric. That's the only part I'm, I'm guaranteed to keep in. The FCC stuff might get cut. <laughs> it's, it was too much talk about Yuga Kubo and, and Brandon Vasquez, to tell you that much. Um, no, let's get out of here. This was fun. Enjoy. Uh, we're, we've got a, a weird a weird match week coming up. So, uh, I don't know. Weird stuff. I was just giving tickets to the Chivas game. So, I wasn't planning to go, but I'm going now. Sure. We talked for... We talked for two hours and didn't mention the Chivas friendly. No one cares. That's all right. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Fuck Columbus. Fuck Columbus. Fuck Columbus.